What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Arda Ocal. We are here twice every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, wherever you get your podcasts, and also the NHL on ESPN YouTube. Last week, we did an Eastern and Western Conference preview. Those are separate podcasts that are available right now. But Greg Wyshynski, we decided, you know what? Rather than do an entire conference preview, among other things on the show today, we're going to drill down on just one team. Yeah. The Boston Bruins, baby. By the way, I, I like the fact that our podcast uh, and trash collection are both twice a week. I feel like there's a certain kinship between those two things. Being like on a social twice. media with the handshake, it's like, like twice, trash collection, right. the drop, handshake. <laughs> now people are going to tweet us that. You know that, right? Like that's going to be the thing. Oh, now. that's that's completely fine. I think I think we're all in agreement. Um the Boston Bruins are fascinating to me. I think I think if you, you know, obviously there's a lot of interest in the Leafs to see if they can finally break the decades-old drought. There's obviously a lot of interest in the Devils. Uh, we'll talk about the building interest in the Carolina Hurricanes later. Um, but the Bruins are the most fascinating team in the Eastern Conference for a couple of reasons. One being the fact that uh, they had the best regular season in NHL history last year and then followed it up with, a shocking first round exit at the hands of the Florida Panthers that left everybody completely stunned. And oh, by the way, was possibly the last shining moment for this incarnation of the Bruins. What with Patrice Bergeron retiring and David Krejci not coming back. And uh, and so I, I was, you know, I was thinking back already to the Tampa Bay Lightning losing to the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, in the mm -hmm. first round, that that historic sweep that shocked everybody and you know obviously after that there was all these calls about oh should the should the lightning uh should they should they blow up the core of the team should they blow up the core of the team they didn't and then they ended up winning you know two consecutive stanley cups uh so i'm not saying that's going to happen with the bruins but i am going to say that there is a difference in the magnitude of the disaster between the lightning and the bruins lightning at least could run it back with the same crew and feel like maybe they learned a thing or two about that first round defeat I felt that this one, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Arda, I felt that this one for the Bruins was a bit more apocalyptic. Like they were trying to win the cup for Bergeron and Krejci, and they were trying to win the cup to finish the story of an amazing regular season. They failed to even advance past the first round. Now everything's different. And this, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just being too fatalistic here, but it just feels like a different kind of uh, bounce back for the Bruins than it was for the Lightning. It feels like the end of an era. At least that's yeah. what the narrative to me is. This is the dawn of a new era for the Boston Bruins. And they still have some pretty impressive pieces. Their defense is solid. Their goaltending. I mean, here's the thing. And, 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 and you know what? I'm going to call myself out here. I think this is going to be the theme of the show because we're going to call ourselves out in a big way <laughs> uh, with our special guest a little bit later on. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. I was very concerned about the state of this team, particularly the goaltending. There's like, it's, it, it will be very difficult for Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman to maintain a 938 and 920 save percentage respectively, right? Like that, that, that to me, that the season was completely an outlier. We know that we understand that. And we even said it last week, wish even if this team regresses 30, 40 points, they are still a wild card contending team. And the thing we looked at the most 
was the offense, the center depth. Obviously, they lost key pieces. They lost leadership. They added some pieces, too. Let's not take that away from them. But here's my question to you. How much of the Bruins' success this season truly hinges on Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle? I think a lot of it does. I, I was in Boston last week. I sat down with their coach, Jim Montgomery, and I asked him, I said, look, you know, it's no secret what you lost in the middle. You know, what is it about Zaka? What is it about Coyle that you think is going to be able to somehow fill this void? And he said, look, they're 200 foot players. They understand what it is we do. They're very high on Coyle. Like Brad Marchand said the same thing to me about Coyle that Montgomery did, which is that on another team, Charlie Coyle would not be a third line center. Like he'd be playing in the top six. He might even be a top line center on another team. It's just because the Bruins had the depth that they had that he wasn't. So they're high on him. But I asked Montgomery, have you had that conversation with GM Don Sweeney about if things don't work out, how quickly do the Bruins pivot to try to find an answer at center that they did not find in the offseason? In fact, they they jettisoned it more than they bought in offensively. Don't forget, we we're also talking about the losses of wingers Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno and Tyler Bertuzzi, too. We all thought those guys were leaving to bring in a center, but it didn't happen. And he said to me that they, that he has not had that conversation yet with Don Sweeney, that they have not talked about a plan B if Coyle and Zaka don't work out. But I have to imagine, Arda, that if this is the first two months of the season and there is a clear hole in the middle and the Bruins are struggling because of it, they're going to have to address it. The thing is, I've been talking with some reporters in Boston, and it's not like they have an embarrassment of riches in the pipeline nope. at center also. So yeah. this is a situation where they would certainly have to look externally in order to fill that if they determine early on that Zaka and Coyle are not necessarily performing to that uh, threshold that they require as right. the number one and the number two. But here's the other thing. Yeah. Like, you look at this lineup from top to bottom, and I said, like, goaltending, even if even if Linus Allmark regresses to a 9-18 or whatever, right, he's still going to be a good goaltender, right? Jeremy Swayman, the gap between Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman is not big. It's not like a typical starting goalie, backup goalie. This is one, a Martin one and one playing a. 70 they're games, one and one right? A, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. And, their def and their defensive core is very good. Kevin Shattenkirk is your sixth defenseman. Like, there, there are some really good defensive pieces well, here led by Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, right. And McAvoy mm -hmm. and Hampus Lindholm can come out and, and play, you know, 50 minutes of a 60-minute game. And, I mean, that's that's the huge advantage that a team like the Bruins has over others is, is two stud defensemen that are able to do that. I met the, the, the couple of things that I think are important to remember about the Bruins, and like you said, you and I both have them in the playoffs. Others think that they're going to be the one that fades out of the Atlantic so that the, the Sabres or the Red Wings or the Senators can move into the playoff picture. Um, the goaltending is of a piece with Jim Montgomery. And you got to remember that this, this guy is one of the best coaches on earth, man. And this guy has a defensive system that clearly benefits his goaltenders in a very specific way. And when I think about a team that maybe is going to struggle to score a little bit, that is going to try to, you know, find its way with a lot of changes in their lineup, go with a lot of younger players trying to earn their keep, to have the foundation that Jim Montgomery system, I think is going to be so beneficial. And the last thing I want to say is that the Bruins don't have Bergeron and they don't have Krejci, but they have everything else that those guys 
bought to the table intrinsically, the processes, the honor, the system, the, the mentality. And I talked to Brad Marchand about that at Bruins camp, that very thing about maintaining the team legacy that Krejci and Bergeron gave the Bruins. Well, I think that's the biggest thing that we've cared about the last 20 years since he came in was that it's the culture, you know, and like the culture is bigger than any of us. And, and it's uh, it's what will allow the team to continue to have success, what allow the team to have success every year. You don't get as far as you want to every single season, but, you know, we're competitive and, and you know, sometimes we're right there and, you know, she's not meant to be. But the biggest thing that they've put in place yeah, yeah. is that culture, and that's what we don't ever want to let die. And, and there's been a lot of young guys in this room that have, have seen that and seen what they wanted to build, and now it's their job and, you know, my job to continue to push it and their job to continue to push it and learn from it. And So we do that by committee. It's all one guy. You can't – it's this league isn't like, you know, basketball or right. football where one player can, you know – lead the team all the way like you do it by committee and, and to do that we have a lot of guys that believe in the same thing and, and build towards the same thing every year and that's something that they've built that you know we won't let die okay so you just heard brad marchand there before we wrap things up on our bruins deep dive we sort of answered this already i believe they're a playoff team you believe they're a playoff team i don't believe that they're a team that will be first in the atlantic but I don't. I could see them being third in the Atlantic. I don't know if they're necessarily a wild card contending team, but I do still see enough here that this is a team that you could say, yeah, they're going to get into the playoffs. I, I Marshan had some wonderful things to say about opportunity and the fact that you know, yeah, I remember that dude back in the day was a fourth liner on a championship team, and now he's a team captain. And if you told me back in the day that the guy punching one of the Sedins in front of the crease was going to end up wearing the C for the Bruins uh, some 13 years later, the 12 years later, I wouldn't have believed it, but here we are. And, and his point was, this is the opportunity for a lot of these players that have been bubbling under the surface to grab the brass ring and take it. And I think a lot of them will. And like I said, they've got the structure to do it. I don't think they're going to fall out of the playoff picture. Um, it is the end of an era, but it's not the end of the Bruins. So, like we said, we believe the Boston Bruins are going to be a playoff team. Uh, we very much glossed over the fact last episode that the Carolina Hurricanes will also be a playoff team. Uh, we spent a grand total of three seconds talking about the Carolina Hurricanes. And you noticed, Hurricanes fans, if there's one fan base that lets us know that we don't talk about them enough, it is you passionate, wonderful Carolina Hurricanes fans. So we decided wish and i that you know what we got to own up to this okay we, we have to pay the piper and we decided Absolutely. to go directly to the very top very happy to be joined here on the drop on espn by the owner of the carolina hurricanes mr tom dundon and there tom there's a very specific reason why we invited you onto the show uh, but before we get to that, we'll make that the main event of the interview. Uh, let, let's catch up. How are you? How are things in Carolina? How are you feeling about the team going into this season? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing great personally. The uh, you know the whole how the team how you feel about the team. I'm always nervous, so <laughs> I, I live in a perpetual state of fear of us not winning every game, every moment. So, but yeah, I'm pretty happy with how things are going. Well. 
we wanted to have you on because the team is good. And because last week during our Eastern Conference preview, we spent roughly 1.5 seconds talking about them. Um, <laughs> we got to the Devils and we're like, hey, who eliminated them again? Oh, that's right. It's the team favored to win the East. <laughs> so we had many Oops. Hurricanes fans reach out to us on social media and tell us, you guys suck. How could you forget about the Hurricanes and not give them their due? So Tom Dundon, on behalf of Arda O'Cal and I, we apologize for not giving the Hurricanes their proper credit. But then again, sir, that's been the story of the Hurricanes, right? You guys are always getting the short sh uh, shift in the Eastern Conference, aren't you? I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I'm i not sure I care as much as other people do, right? It's, you know, we didn't win. So, at the you know, what at the end of the day, we didn't win. So, and I think we did get when we were supposed to not be good and started to be good, that was a story, right? But once I think we're at a point where I think we know we're pretty good and we know we're supposed to win and maybe you do too. So what's there to talk about, right? Like when you're good and not winning, that's kind of boring subject, right? So I think it's, it's definitely interesting to talk about how a team that wasn't very good is getting better and are they good enough now? So we're sort of in that no man's land where we're, we're really good and we hadn't won. So Maybe that's not as interesting for you. <laughs> hey, Tom, what is doing Rod Brindamore's performance reviews like? Does he show up in a muscle shirt and just kind of intimidate you to say good things about him? Or what, what is that like? Well, you know, the first time I met him, he was sitting at his desk in his office when I before I bought the team. And they walked me in this office. And, you know, coaches don't want some strangers coming in their office. And he turned with his big blockhead and looked up and... <laughs> And I was, I remember thinking I was actually a little nervous right now. I was a little intimidated. So, um, but I'm past that now. He doesn't scare me anymore. For sure. <laughs> um, you've been building towards a championship with this group. And uh, it's been the same group for a long time. You know, some very familiar names, Aho, Slave, and all these guys. Um, what is your general vibe about this group in particular? It seems like they're on the precipice of something great. Yeah, I mean, I think we're sort of where we've been, right? We're one of the best teams we expect to win. And until you do, it's just a story. But I think that's better than hope, right? Hoping that things go your way so you can compete for a playoff spot is not a, not a place I want to be, right? I like being where the expectations are high because we know we have the talent and the track record. And, you know, if you aren't successful, you're really disappointed because – you're you have the talent to win and that doesn't mean you will it just means you know you have you have good odds to be very very good team i wanted to ask you about your arena uh, i understand the centennial <laughs> authority is considering a renovation project for pnc obviously you, you've extended the the naming rights deal there as well how vital is a renovated arena to the long-term success of the carolina hurricanes in raleigh well, they've already approved everything. So we're, I'm actually in the architect's office right now. No kidding. Uh, here in Dallas. Yeah. So I'm, uh, we're just going through the process of renovating the arena and then starting the development. Um, I think that's just where sports is right now, right? It's, it's in a place where if you don't have something besides the team, it's difficult to, to keep up and, you know, we want to do more than keep up in life. And so we're really fortunate the way 
the city, the county, and the state have worked with us and the way everybody supports the team. And now we want to, you know, hopefully do something that people can be proud of and, you know, just have more than just the game every day. What was the Tom Dundon, I've got to have this in the plans thing for the arena when you went over to the architects? The first thing we had to have was a better locker room when I got here. It was pretty bad. And we had to have better practice facility and a better scoreboard. So those things were higher on the list. Um, I think the main thing now is probably um, I want the parking better. You know, I, mm. I it drives me crazy when people are spending their money if you don't give them a good experience. And we're going to take their money. I want them to have a good experience. And so probably just getting the, the kind of the ingress, egress kind of experience right. And then we don't really have any clubs like a lot of places do. Yeah. Um, so I hope that I hope that we end up with some things that, you know, if you want that experience, you can have it in Raleigh, too. Greg mentioned it. We spent a whole one and a half seconds talking about the hurricanes in our preview <laughs> show. We really shouldn't have done that. We are ratting ourselves out to you, the boss. OK, so okay. we're allowing you the opportunity here uh, to give us uh, some form of punishment, something we need to do on the show uh, to compensate for this to atone for this so as the boss uh, feel free to come down with the hammer here uh, what do we need to do on this show in order to uh, get back into the good graces of hurricanes fans yeah i'm not in the revenge business um here's what i want you to do what i what i i think you should talk about what your people find most interesting and it's really on us to be interesting so if we're not interesting and you don't think that's the best for you, your show in the NHL, then you're not going to talk about us, right? So I, I actually think it's it's really what I think about is if you're not talking about us, right, what do we need to do different? So I think your punishment is the guilt that comes from knowing that we're not actually mad at you. Wow, man. You know, I was raised Catholic. I thought I was going to have to do 105 Hail Marys, a bunch of lashes on my back. This is this is no. this is penance. This is beautiful. This is this is this is the the lesson from Tom Dundon here is don't choose revenge, choose kindness and enlightenment. Wouldn't you say, Arda? Kill him with kindness. I, I feel more <laughs> guilty than I did when we started this interview, Tom. Thank you. You mission Perfect. accomplished. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tom. Good luck this season, man. We hope to see you obviously as the season goes on and especially as the playoffs go on, as the Hurricanes try to get over the hump and raise that cup again. And thanks for being a good sport and coming on the drop. Awesome. Thank thanks, you. guys. Have a good show. See ya. Thanks again to Tom Dundon for joining us and being a great sport here right? on the drop. I, know, I love that. I, I thought there was a good chance that you and I would have been strapped to the ball collector at Top Golf, and all the Hurricanes would have just... <laughs> taking out the big Bertha and taking a couple shots at us as we were flying by, but apparently not, by the way, no, for those who don't know, Tom Dundon uh, made a good amount of money with uh, top golf. And I, and personally, he didn't say this, but personally put a top golf on top of that arena, man. Yeah. Make that one of the clubs. You go to the game, you watch the hurricanes, you do top golf. Although in fairness, that might impact the parking thing he talked about. Now that I think about it, whatever, come on. We need, we need entertainment. I like this idea. Top golf is always fun, no matter where it is. Uh, by the way, what he did prescribe to us is much worse. Like I still feel an insane amount of guilt. So yeah, thanks a lot too. to Tom. <laughs> um, so we're going to get into our power rankings. Now we thought long and hard about this. We tried to put this together as best as possible. Uh, how, why don't you explain wish to everybody okay, how exactly we did this? Everybody has power rankings. 
You've got them. I've got them. NHL doc, uh, NHL.com has them. ESPN.com has them every week. Power rankings are something that are to, uh, to be argued about, but they can also be pretty insightful. So throughout the season on the drop, Art and I are going to give you some power rankings that aren't simply just a list of 32 teams. But on occasion, it's important to check in and see exactly what is happening in the National Hockey League vis-a-vis who has the power and who lacks the power. So before the season begins, we decided to have me make a list of 1 through 32 and Arda make a list from 1 through 32, although he had 21 twice, which really ruined my math Oops. for a moment. <laughs> I did it at an airport, okay? I was traveling. That's fine. You did great. You did great. I it was my fault for not noticing it. Uh and then we just and then we put our list together and came up with the official preseason power rankings for the 2023-24 NHL season, beginning with the bottom of the list, Arda. So I'm gonna do this in chunks. These are the teams that we have ranked from 32 to 22. I'm gonna read them from bottom up. So I'm going to read 32 first and then up to 22. In the basement in our power rankings, the San Jose Sharks, followed by the Montreal Canadiens, Chicago Blackhawks, Philadelphia Flyers at 29, Anaheim Ducks, Arizona Coyotes, Washington Capitals, Detroit Red Wings at 25, Nashville Predators, Vancouver Canucks, and in the 22nd spot, maybe surprisingly, the Winnipeg Jets, what teams stick out to you in this uh, tier? Let's talk about it a little bit. I, you had the Blackhawks way higher than I did. I did. I did. And why is that? Are you just a believer in the Bedard effect? Especially based on his preseason talents. Yes, okay. I, I am. I am buying into the aura of Bedard. He's going to carry some games. He's going to carry the offense. I know the rest of the team, or much of the rest of the team, I should say, would be a question mark as compared to other teams. But I don't know, man. I, I The third worst team in the NHL, I'm not necessarily buying that. Or third lowest, I should say, not worst. I'm not buying that right now with that guy on the team. Are you seeing what he's doing? I don't care. I mean, the 05-06 Capitals were still terrible, too, even though Ovechkin was there. I, I Listen, I think he's going to be great. I think, like I said, I, I have the over on over 35 goals for him this year. Um, but that team was stripped down to the foundations in order to secure the first overall pick. Their goaltending could be absolutely atrocious. There is no way that Connor Bernard is going to score as many goals as he needs to <laughs> to compensate for how many they're going to let into their own net. So that's why I have them where I had them. The other two surprises here, I, I am uh, a little higher on Nashville than I think you are. I, I have Nashville as a playoff team. I think that they, um, with Andrew Brunette as their coach, are going to be a really fun team to watch and also – have we have our goalie tier rankings coming out on Tuesday on, on ESPN.com and and I think UC Soros and, and Lankanen are, are one of the best duos in the game. Um, and then the other one that's a little bit low for me is the Vancouver Canucks. I, I'm very high on that. I, I think they're gonna have a really good bounce back year. I love Rick mm-hmm. Tockett getting a full year run uh, and then having the preseason. I think Demko is going to be great for them between the pipes. Uh, Pedersen obviously is one of the best players on earth. I think you are a little bit lower on them than I was. Yeah, maybe just a touch, but maybe that has to do with the fact that they didn't have the best season last year. But yes, you're right for what you meant. Pedersen could become an elite player in the NHL or at least come out as such in that tier. Are we too low on the Winnipeg Jets? Is it the whole, speaking of auras and speaking of narratives, is it just, oh, Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley have said, maybe I don't want to play in this market. Like, Are we putting too much stock into that and not focusing on the talent that these players bring? 
Yeah, I mean, like, what was the real palpable offseason loss? It was Dubois and it was Wheeler. And Wheeler had kind of, you know, been there for a little bit too long. And Dubois was going to hurt. But, you know, now you have Cole Perfetti to come up and move up the lineup and get a bigger opportunity for them. They'll be competitive. And, I mean, they're going to be competitive with with Hellebuck between the pipes, provided both he and Shafley play a good majority of the games for that team instead of being shipped off somewhere. Uh, we might be a little bit low on them. They're always a team that seems to be a little bit better than their preseason proclamations intend them to be. Middle tier from 21 to 11. I'm going to read it in that order. So in 21st position, the St. Louis Blues. 20, the Ottawa Senators. Followed by the Columbus Blue Jackets at 19. Hold that thought. Uh, the Sabres at 18. The Islanders, 17. Flames, 16. 15, the Kraken. The Minnesota Wild, 14. The Florida Panthers, 13. The Tampa Bay Lightning with the injury concerns between the pipes at 12. And the Eric Carlson co-led Pittsburgh Penguins at 11. Oh, boy. If there's one tier that's going to get us a lot of responses on social media, it's going to be this one. Man, co-led, man. Sid, Sid doesn't play that. That's, that's Mr. Crosby's team. <laughs> co-led, um, co-led. <laughs> now, uh, the Blues are a little bit high for me. I'm I'm not a big fan of the Blues this year. Uh, if if they can contend, that would be a surprise to me. Um, I'm, I don't like their goaltending. I'm not a Bennington guy, as you know. Uh, yeah, I might take him in a in, in the octagon, but I'm certainly not going to take him on the ice anymore. Um, and and the Senators are a little low for me. I, the Senators are my team that I think is going to break out from that Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa bubbling under the surface in the Atlantic group. Um, I just I, I love their goaltending. I love them up front. I think they're deep as hell. I was talking to an NHL coach the other day. I said, "Who's that team that makes the leap this year?" And he said, without hesitation, it's going to be Ottawa. So I, I'm a little bit higher on them than you are. Um, I think the one that people are going to be real shocked by is Columbus ahead of. You know, a good portion of teams here in the National Hockey League, not in the top 16, but you are very high on them, I think. I feel like they're one or two pieces away from being a wild card contending team. We actually had Nasher, Andrew Nasher Telfer on uh, for our Eastern Conference preview, and he predicted 90 plus points. Wow. Like he actually went so far as to say this team could make the playoffs and he put the number. It was 90 or 90 plus is what he said. You can listen back and hear it. But the fact that he said like. But 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 I agree in the sense that they have some great pieces, and I think that they're not that far away from being a a uh, a playoff contending team. Now, in looking at this list, it does seem silly on paper that the Senators are below them and the Sabers are directly above them. So, in that sense, maybe you know a reorder. I I would I would be open to a reorder for the Blue Jackets, but I'm higher on them than a lot of people listening. I'll say two things about him. One is the effect that you think Bedard is going to have on Chicago could end up being Fantilli with Columbus. I think we're all sleeping on Fantilli. We're spending a lot of time talking about Bedard, spending a lot of time talking about Logan Cooley, Devin Levi. Like Fantilli is going to play in this league this year. And like, he's mm -hmm. great. <laughs> and he could easily be that guy. Had a hat trick in his first game. Yeah. He could easily be season. that guy that we think Bedard's going to be for Chicago. And so far as like exponentially increasing their points in the standings. That being said, when Nasher told you 90 over 90 points, um, does Sergei Bobrovsky have some eligibility left in Columbus? I'm not aware of because otherwise it's, it's, it's Elvis, the Elvis was licking show. Um, and, and like he analytically was the worst goalie in the league last year, like mm -hmm. worst yes. in goals saved above expected worst in goals, uh, saved above replacement. Like he was the worst goalie in the league. And so the gamble that you make with Columbus is whether 
the additions that they made to their blue line, you know, be it Provorov, be it uh, Severson, uh, and then especially a healthy Zach Lorensky is going to counterbalance the absolute sieves that they have in their goaltending battery right now. And maybe they do. I mean, that's entirely possible. Maybe they do. And that combined with the new coach, Pascal Vincent does, does the job there. But I mean, yes. goaltending alone makes me not believe that they're going to be a 90 point team. One of the, one of the points or one of the additions trade wise would be a goaltender. I will say this. I am enjoying the thought of Damon Severson, who led the league in stretch passes last year, by the way, just finding Fantilli way out in the ocean. You know, like I can see that being a lethal combination. We'll see if that happens. But. How far is his pass if he's hitting the ocean from Ohio? <laughs> he's just going. He's like, whoop. <laughs> yeah, maybe I could have thought of a way better way out to How about one know, of the Great Cincinnati Lakes? or something. Oh, yeah, maybe. On show. He's trying yeah. to do geography as best he can. One of the Great Lakes would have sufficed. Yeah, sure. Thanks. I Look, I went to school in Canada. All right. All right. Top 10. <laughs> everyone's gonna be like dude learn geography here's a map they're gonna be sending spamming me maps of america all right top 10 here is it from uh here it is pardon me from 10 to 1 so at 10 we have the new york rangers followed by the bruins at 9 the kings at 8 the hurricanes at 7 the devils at 6 the avalanche at 5 the oilers at 4 the golden knights at 3 the dallas stars at 2 and at number one, uh, a team who I truly believe could very well win the President's Trophy this year, the Toronto Maple Leafs, your regular season superheroes. I had Vegas at number one because I think when you do preseason rankings, you have to put the big dog, the team that raised the cup at number one, in my opinion. And and again, what it, what really has been de- de- subtracted from that lineup in the offseason outside of Riley Smith. There, there really wasn't. So I, I was okay putting them one. The Leafs were my two. They were year one, which is how mm-hmm. they end up at the top of the power rankings. Are the Dallas Stars, Arda, better than the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers coming into this season? I think so. Goaltending's awesome. Defense is great. They have awesome pieces there. Jason Robertson is a stud. That first line is incredible. Rupe Hintz, like... Oh, absolutely. I, I believe if I, I this, I guess, let me put it this way. The way that I constructed, especially the top 10 was where I think they will land in the standings. So yeah. I can see the Toronto Maple Leafs being the president's trophy winners. And I can see the Dallas stars winning the West. The other thing is that, that, you, like, I, I get your point about the golden yeah. Knights, but I do think right. I do see a world clearly where the stars and Leafs have more points at the end of the regular season than the golden Knights. Sure. Do. I, and then the other thing we have to address is the Avalanche at five. Okay, so the Avalanche one are ahead of the are ahead of uh, uh, the other two powers in the Eastern Conference, the Devils and the Hurricanes. Um, are we underrating them? Are we rating them properly? Is there is their ceiling a little bit more than what we're getting the the Avalanche? So to me, Leafs are the best regular season team. I put them at one. The Dallas Stars are an absolute wagon. I you know man for man. Uh, you could make arguments that the Dallas Stars edge out the Avalanche roster, so we keep them at two, especially goaltending. The Golden Knights are the Stanley Cup champions. I like your thought about you had put them at one. Makes perfect sense, so that's why they stay at three. They've earned that right by winning the Cup. The Oilers have by far the best player in the game, and they have the by far the best one-two punch in the game. So by that virtue alone and the pieces around them, it's not like they're the Blackhawks. They have great pieces around them, so them at four would absolutely make sense. So it's like, to me, it's like tough to move them up unless you're saying they're better overall than the Oilers. Like, should they be at four? I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're fine. 
And then the one that I'm, I'm again, I, we talked about this in the preview. I cannot figure them out is the Los Angeles Kings. Like on paper, they are loaded, absolutely loaded, especially up front. They're going to try to do the thing where they are so good defensively as a group and so competent in front of their goaltending that they can get away with Cam Talbot and Phoenix Copley. And maybe they can. Like, that's the thing that holds me back on them is that they're going to try to win this way. They don't have a, do a dominant, clear number one goaltender, but they might have one of the deepest rosters that we have in the NHL. Eight seems right for them, but at the end of the season, it may seem like we really shortchanged them because they've got the potential to be really good. Oh, no, we're going to have a perfect list at all times, and no <laughs> one will have any issue with it whatsoever. <laughs> it's a flawless perfect list it was it, you know it is it was handed down on stone tablets <laughs> to you that's the you second, what we're second get... religious that's the second religious reference i've made on the podcast this week i don't know I, I feel like i feel like the 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 trauma of the jets bills game has made me uh turn back to the church and, <laughs> I was, uh, I was and like, seek a higher is, power <laughs> this is what happens when we do a podcast the day after a jets game that's this is what's <laughs> happening here that's the problem that's the problem um, hey uh, yeah, I listen, I, I often say that uh, you know being a Jets fan is 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 traumatic, that no one understands our pain. And what's funny is whenever I say that, usually it's like Browns and Lions fans coming at me about it, but it's also like Leafs fans and especially yeah, I was say. Vancouver fans, whenever I bring up the Jets, are like, excuse me, sir. Uh, you don't know what pain is. Yeah. Uh, and they're uh, like, uh, have Jets fans turned over cars and set them on fire? I don't think <laughs> yeah, so. Right. Exactly. So um, I, I will say this. I will say this about our list. So the Carol, the Hurricanes are at seven and the Devils are at six. I think Hurricanes fans will take offense to that. I think that that's going to be a big point of contention for them because they're like, ah, oh, we beat them in the playoffs, dude. Like, why are you rating them above us? But the Devils, I mean, listen. The Devils have gotten better in the sense that Toffoli is is a hell of an addition, and Toffoli could easily get you that goal they couldn't get against Carolina. Where I think the Hurricanes fans might have beef is a healthy Svechnikov, first of all. And then mm -hmm. also, if you look, as we talked about last week, if you look at the Devils' blue line, they're going to miss the Severson, and they're going to miss Ryan Graves more than <clears> a lot of people think they're going to, than they are. And you could easily flip-flop these two teams, and I wouldn't have any problem with it as a, as a guy who follows the Devils. Yeah. So as Wish mentioned, we're going to update this throughout the year. We're going to have a bunch of other lists. We're going to have a lot of fun this season. There's a lot of things that we are working on, percolating, uh, putting our creative hats on. It's going to be a great season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just a reminder, we are twice a week now, two podcasts a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Wherever you get your audio podcasts, we are there. Greg Wyshynski, back in audio form in hockey. You'll love to see it. Also, the NHL and ESPN, YouTube, we are also there. Um, do we want to give any sort of preview on what we are doing on Thursday's episode? Well, Thursday, we could tell you we're going to look at the NHL awards and make some formal predictions on who wins those shiny trophies. Um, and we may also have a recent NHL retiree joining us uh, to yeah. talk about his career and uh, the state of things in the current league. Very much looking forward to that. Thanks again to Tom Dundon for joining us, by the way. And thank you for listening to The Drop. In the meantime and in between time, we shall catch you next time and maybe do next episode, not directly after a Jets game. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. We believe, baby.